What if you could complete your MBA in just one year? Thanks to the College of Charleston School of Business, now you can. Their accelerated MBA program condenses a traditional two-year program into one rigorous year, ensuring you not only save a year of tuition and fees, but also re-enter the workforce quickly and graduate with critical business knowledge. U.S. News & World Report recognized the College of Charleston MBA as number one in the country for its job placement rate within three months of graduation. Learn more at mba.cfc.edu. Opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Good morning, and welcome to Beyond the Business, brought to you by the College of Charleston School of Business. The College of Charleston School of Business, where students are beyond ready to work, they're ready to make an impact. Each Saturday morning at 9, successful business leaders and entrepreneurs from across the Lowcountry talk about what it takes to succeed in business and in life. Now your hosts of Beyond the Business, Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood. And great Saturday morning, Low Country. Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Business, heard here on 94.3 WSC or in Somacast on iHeartRadio. And you may be checking us out via iTunes or Spotify. We welcome to have you again for another great Saturday morning, Low Country of entrepreneurship and leadership from around the world. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Cox, here with the lovely and talented Leslie Haywood. Good morning, Leslie. Good morning. Good morning, Eric, and good morning, Low Country. And thank you so much for sharing your Saturday morning with us. And make sure and continue the fun beyond Saturday morning and check us out on Facebook, Beyond the Business, and Twitter at BTBCHS. And of course, we want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, which is the College of Charleston School of Business, where students are beyond ready to work. They're ready to make an impact just as you and I do every Saturday morning, low, low country or Leslie, sorry, making yep. an impact, right? Making, making an impact. impact. We're so, trying. We're trying. And so here we are still doing this thing remotely as we have been since, gosh, uh, almost a year now. Um, but uh, thankful that even with uh, all this going on, the technology has allowed us to record uh, remotely and uh as you and I have talked about before in the show, Leslie, it's actually given us the opportunity to reach a little bit and have guests from other parts of the state, other parts of the country, and actually other parts of the world. And so uh, we've become you know, international. Look at us. That? We are international stars. All three listeners out there are enjoying us. And uh, we're just excited to have another great Saturday morning this morning. Um, and uh, had a great guest last week, Mr. Jim Garrett, who's the market president at Collier's commercial real estate, Charleston. Um, and Jim was given a great background last week of his upbringing and what he'd been through in life, which was a great story. Again, if you happen to miss that, um, go check it out on the podcast. And uh, Leslie, as we always do, we always have some nuggets we take away from stories. Um, what would be one of your highlights from last week? Well, I just love the vulnerability of all of our guests, and I and this should be um, inspiring to um, a lot of people that his upbringing wasn't necessarily easy um, with maybe undiagnosed ADD and dyslexia, and even to this day, he was like, I might not be the smartest person in the room, but no one will ever outwork me, and being successful, it ha- doesn't have anything necessarily to do with intelligence work ethic goes a long way and you've just got to want 
it bad enough. So I thought that that was super inspiring because there's kids and teenagers. And as a parent, you know, you look at the challenges that your kids face and you wonder, okay, where, you know, can they be successful? Can they be happy with these challenges? And, um, you know, you can, you can, you've just got to want it bad enough. So that was really inspiring to me. Um, What did you take away? Well, I, I'm I'm going to have to agree with you. I resonate with the message because it was me as well. You know, I didn't grow up in a in a wealthy family, and I had to work my way through college and figure it out. And and uh, I know when Jim was referencing the, the, the digging deep, outworking people, I've always said I've never been the smartest person in the word in the room. But you're gonna it's gonna you're gonna find it hard to to find somebody that would outwork me in the deal. And uh, I've always done that in my life, and I think that's a testament to uh, you know internal fortitude. And and Jim, you certainly exemplify that. Your, your character and, and what you've been through in life. And uh, I think Leslie said it right. We appreciate your vulnerability to share that with our listeners because that's what this show is all about, uh, to let everybody know out there in the world that you are not the only ones going through whatever it is you're going through. We all go through it. It's not a matter of if you go through it. It's when, and it's not a matter if you get knocked down. It's how you get back up. And so, thanks for sharing that. Uh, and thanks for coming back this morning. We appreciate having you back here on uh, Beyond the Business this morning. And, and before we dive into your show, Leslie reminded me before the show started. Thank you, Leslie, very much. And for all you men listening this morning, do not forget, tomorrow is Valentine's Day. So, go get the flowers today. Don't wait till tomorrow and mess it up. Go do it. And then you remember, Beyond the Business is the one that helped you out. That's so. right. Yes. Let's take credit for that. That's our P- your your, That's your our marriage PSA is happy for the day, right? Yes, uh, exactly. For the day. So, uh, well, Jim, um, as we were talking last week, I think we left off uh, really talking about your evolution through your career and and the different roles you've had and how you've moved up to this uh, again market president role of an international uh, real estate you know commercial real estate firm. Um, but if you don't mind, give us a, a quick little just sort of recap of of your progress as you came through the industry. So, you know, as I look at my career at Nationwide, uh, I was I was afforded opportunities to look at, at at real estate from a very different angle that I would have never gotten on the brokerage side. And, and in the, the, the early 90s, there was a consolidation and a centralization of core and non-core business functions at Nationwide that allowed me to, to work with a team that developed, unbeknownst to us, what would be referred to commonly today as corporate services or corporate solutions, where you basically outsource real estate processes to um, um, national or international service providers, thus allowing you to have a much smaller core group of people internally. Um, and, you know, it was kind of a force multiplier that allowed me to to work on 20 or 30 transactions at any one time uh, around the country, but only interface with two or three of my service providers. So, it allowed me to do a lot more um, uh, at the time. And, and uh, you know, come uh, the late 90s, I realized that the job I wanted, my boss, who was another great, great mentor, was only six or seven years older than me. He says, I know you want my job, but the only way they're taking me out of here is horizontally. <laughs> he says, you can stick around as long as you want, or I'd be happy to help you find something else. And, oh, that was um, big of him? He, he he was just a, a great, great guy. I, I was just really, again, blessed to have... Um, uh, people that, for whatever reason, took time to invest in me, and um, I'm continually thankful for that. And the NAI opportunity came up and allowed me to travel the country and do things that 
I'd never dreamt of as a kid to go places. And I loved it because somebody else was paying for it. Um, and, and I loved it from the standpoint, again, I got to, to interact with hundreds, if not thousands of people in my industry and some of the best and some of the worst our industry has to offer. Uh, so, I really felt like that 14 years with NAI was was a, uh, a master's without question. But again, got to a point that I felt that there was no place for me to go from there. No one, they, they've, they've given me as much as I can absorb from a prof- development standpoint and I needed to move on. Uh, plus, I was really tired after all of that, uh, you know, over a million miles uh, logged uh, on an airplane. It, it takes it out of you after a while. Um, and then the opportunity with, with the Collier's piece opened and, and I knew that the gentleman that owned the Columbus office um, from about... 1984, 1985, he worked at, um, at a firm where my ex-wife worked. And, and as I looked at the landscape, I said, there's only one guy I can work for. And thankfully, he took pity on me and hired me. And uh, that was with Colliers. And, and um, I, uh, from 2011 until September of 2018, I was in Ohio. Again, got to the point that we did some great, great things. And it was probably time for me to figure out what the next mountain looked like and and I'm really thankful that that uh, an opportunity arose in South Carolina that uh, allowed us to relocate to Charleston. Now what uh, was going on because you know business doesn't happen in a vacuum. Um, mm-hmm. wh- what was your personal life like at the time? did you were you kids and wife and were people on board and a big move like that moving south, what kind of um, support did you have with that? Well, it is a great question. Uh, our daughter in um, in May of 18 had just graduated from the University of Kentucky. So, that was done. That was done. And uh, my son... Go Cats. Um, Sorry. Go Cats. Yeah, C-A-T-S. Cats, Cats, Cats. Um, my son uh, went to Florida State, uh, graduated, I think, in 12, uh, met a wonderful, wonderful young lady. They've uh, got married. They live in Tampa. They have two uh, children. So, I've, you know, part of this whole thing is, again, all the moon and the stars and the planets aligned. I knew the team uh, that ran South Carolina. We actually had a lot of interaction because we were doing similar things or trying to accomplish similar things. So, we were constantly talking. In fact, when I got home from meeting them the first time, I hadn't been with Collier's three months, so this is early twenty of uh, uh, 2011. I got off the airplane, came home, and said to my wife, I met some really cool guys from South Carolina, and if the moon and the stars and the planets ever aligned, I, I could work for them. And um, we had actually spent... We came down to Columbia in 2017 for the eclipse. My wife, uh, she was also... She retired from Nationwide in 2007, but earlier in her career, when Nationwide opened a regional office in Columbia, this is before we got married, she was coming down for two and three and four weeks at a stretch doing a bunch of training and everything. She actually loved Columbia. So, for the first two weeks I was having dialogue with the team, I actually thought the job was in Columbia. My wife was ecstatic. And, I mean, they found a house on Lake Murray, and we were talking about all this, and, and then I realized it was Charleston. Oh, no. And neither one of us, of all the places we'd traveled to, Charleston was never a place that we'd traveled to. And so, I sent her a text and said, by the way, stop looking for houses in Columbia and start looking in Charleston. And there was a moment of panic for her, um, but um, we both look at each other every day, and not for one second do we regret 
on so many different fronts, the, uh, the move. And neither one of us, I didn't know a single person when I showed up on September 22nd, 23rd in Charleston. I had no idea where my apartment was. Uh, we had spent two days down here before we made the decision to move. Wow. I'd have bet you a million bucks. I'd have bet you a million bucks in June of 2018 that if you said to me, this is what I was doing, I bet you a million bucks that you were crazy. And, and so, Jim, um, and first of all, thanks for sharing that that transition story. And you, you think about our show beyond the business, and typically, um, you know, the majority of the time we have an entrepreneur on, right? The, the the person who owns, started the business, the CEO, and then every now and then we'll sprinkle in a leadership role, you know, a president, uh, a, a non-owner CEO. And in your case, you know, you fit that role, right? You're the president of the, of again, the, um, the market president of Colliers here in Charleston. And so the question really that I have is for our listeners, because I think so many of our listeners are entrepreneurs, aspiring entrepreneurs, or thinking about entrepreneurship. Some of them are on the fence of if they should try that or just stay in their corporate role. Talk a minute about your path. It's been successful. It's been great. And what sort of do you think led to you going one way versus the other on that whole entrepreneurial versus not scale? Um, I, you know, it's a great question. I feel at times that I, I walk a tightrope uh, with that because, you know, if you think about um, – Real estate agents, it doesn't matter if they're residential or commercial, they are 1099s, which means they're independent contractors. And so they really truly run and own their own business. Colliers or NAI or whomever is the umbrella in which they work under. So there's a there's a set of resources and structure and opportunities that we can present to them to work underneath that. Um, I believe that that based again on the work ethic that was instilled in me by my parents and many others growing up, that I always treated whomever I worked for as if it was my own company. Um, I felt that that was my responsibility. Um, you know, do you know when it came to to have a take going out to taking somebody to dinner? Well, wait a minute, is this the right expenditure? Because even though I can expense it. Is this the right thing to do? So I always tried to treat that as my money. And, um, you know, I, I'm now uh, fortunate enough to be a principal in this 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 organization and, and on the board. So um, in many ways, I do see, um, I, I believe that I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I just didn't start from scratch. So uh, I've kind of inherited that organically over time. I love the fact that, again, on this show, we're revealing the, the different levels and forms of entrepreneurship, right? And so, this is sort of a hybrid form. And, and, and for folks, again, that are listening, that are thinking about what their next move is, maybe they're thinking about leaving a company or they've been through COVID and got laid off and like, this is the time to go do it, right? And so, we're giving them, I think, a platform to learn about all the different ways you can get into some sort of entrepreneurial feeling um, moment. And, and we appreciate you sharing that. You know, it's interesting, Eric. I, I tell my team on a regular basis, um, first of all, in, in, in chaos, there's opportunity. And there's a lot of chaos taking place in 2020, right? I mean, to multiple levels. But I will tell you that there, there, there were individuals around this country that got up one morning and said, you know what? I've been working for this financial planning group for a long, long time. We've got this disruption taking place. I've thought about starting my own firm maybe 
today's the day. The same thing with the, the entertainment, the, the hospitality business, chefs, uh, uh, restaurateurs, hotel, um, uh, you know, senior managers in hotels that now see it, hey, maybe I can buy this note and actually end up owning this hotel in months. So, um, you hit the nail on the head. Um, so many things took place in 2020. People want to um, want to look at the glass half empty. There's a ton of folks out there looking at it half full, and then it's our job, it's our responsibility to help them turn those dreams into realities. Is it, at least it relates to the real estate and helping them and advising them to make the best decision possible for their business. And speaking of this past year and COVID, how has your business and industry changed from this time last year to now? How have you adjusted to it? What are some of the things that you've seen that, that are different now than they were a year ago? Well, I don't know that we have enough time for that. Uh, you know, first and foremost, uh, technology teams, Zoom, et cetera, people realize that um, uh, there's there's so much that we can accomplish uh, utilizing technology. The, certainly, how we engage in our work daily is changing. Um, you know, the, the we were just on a call with the Port of, of um Charleston, and the explosion of of um, containers coming into the port in the last half of, of 2020 was, I believe, they said it was a record because the the um, online sales just blew up, right? So that changes the retail landscape. But candidly, folks, we should have changed the retail landscape 15 years ago. We don't need a J.C. Penney's. Why are they still here? They they can't figure out what their brand is. They don't know who their customers. Get out of the way. So the the Amazon effect in in many ways is a result of retailers really providing us with really poor experiences. Um, so I, I probably shouldn't have named them specifically, but um, there there are many organizations out there that lost sight of who they are, and as a result. You know, I buy something from Amazon. It shows up two days. It's it's the right size. It's the right color. It's at a minimum a neutral buying experience, right? I consider it positive because I don't have to go fight the crowds. Rarely do we have a situation now in which we walk into a retailer, a national retail chain. Do you really have a a positive experience? So I think we're going to see some of that continue to evolve um, from that aspect. People are questioning whether or not they should come back to work in an office building. Uh, I think the overwhelming majority, once you get off of page one of, of of folks trying to sell advertising, is the answer is yes. Will it be the same as prior to COVID? Well, of course not. We figured out that there is opportunities to work remote. Um, Steelcase, a, a big furniture vendor who does a tremendous amount of resources, believes is that, that it's going to be three days on and two days off. I don't know if it'll be that. Um, you know, the social piece we're missing, the the accidental innovation that takes place by walking down the hall and talking to somebody over the water cooler or the coffee pot or whatever, that's lost. I'm not going to pick up the phone and have a Teams meeting when I have this brilliant idea. Um, I'm going to walk out here and try to to socialize it with somebody. So we're going to see the the office environment change significantly, but we're still going to come to work. We're still going to get face-to-face. We're still going to socialize because um, culture uh, demands it. 
And and so speaking of which, let's narrow this down to the Charleston market, right? Charleston has mm-hmm. for years been on fire, residentially, commercially. Um, COVID certainly has put a speed bump in all of that. But in regards to where Charleston sits, a lot of people says, "Hey, we're kind of in a bubble, right? We're kind of isolated from the rest of the country because of our growth and what we're experiencing, and um, we're in a unique space where there's only so much land on the peninsula." And so, what do you see as the outlook commercially for the 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 Charleston market? Well, the secret is out. I am um, I am one of the 33 or 35 per day that's uh, moving to Charleston, according to CRDA. Um, and, and by the way, just so you know, Jim, a lot of that secret is out just because of Beyond the Business. You know, we're yeah. a worldwide organization now, and so they're, they're hearing about Charleston all over the world. I knew that that's, you know, you can't yes. give all the credit to CRDA, yeah. right? So Absolutely I know not. that you guys play a huge role in it. Um you know, there's there's been folks forecasting for the last 10 years that there's going to be a huge migration out of the upper Midwest, by way of example, to the smile states, those along the coast. Why? Because sitting in Charleston, we're three hours from some of the best mountains and lakes and hiking and, and trout fishing in the country, and we're 20 minutes from some of the best beaches in the country. Uh, our weather is phenomenal. The people are outstanding. Um, so, uh, it's it's really not a surprise when you peel the onion back to realize that Boeing and Mercedes and BMW have selected South Carolina as their home. And we're going to continue to see that. And Charleston, without question, is going to, to be a huge benefactor of that. Um, I saw some recent stats that, that were published Um Home home value, the median home price in Charleston is up 13% in 2020 over 2019, 13%. Um, I mean, that's massive. Um, 98% of the home sellers in 2020 got their asking price. That's a phenomenal number. There was 101,000 homes sold just in the low country in 2020. Um, it's going to continue to grow. Our biggest challenge, I think, is infrastructure um, and uh, flooding. We got to get that taken care of. Uh, but that's why we're also starting to see the growth um, go up 26 towards Somerville, towards Orangeburg. Um, it's going to be cheaper for people to live. Uh, you're seeing more and more smaller businesses, entrepreneurs, finding that you know the Somerville. Goose Creek uh, areas are, are maybe better to have their operations because it's easier for their staffs to get to. Uh, the peninsula has become such a tourist-based um, area of business that I think we're going to see some of the more traditional folks, uh, law firms, etc., start to migrate towards uh, the neck, North Morrison, Upper King, uh, Upper Meeting, over time because they don't need to be right next to the courthouse anymore. And, um, you know, it's taken those folks, it's it's roughly 14 minutes at any given time once you hit the Ravenel to get downtown. It's it's that's a lot of money if you're if you're an attorney if you're a, a real estate service provider if you're in a you know in the service industry that's a, that's a lot of time to be sitting in a vehicle right so I think we're going to see that migration continue north uh, you know Park Circle has seen some wonderful wonderful growth um, so I'm I'm very very bullish on 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 Charleston and the Low Country going I love forward. It. 
Now, what is a a, a myth that you might want to dispel about your industry or maybe about the Charleston market? Something that you get asked a lot that just isn't isn't true. What do people think um, as far as something that you you get a lot? That's a great question. I think I think there's a lot of confusion from outside of the market. You know, when you look at a map of Charleston, you 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 see all this land, right? Mm-hmm. But, but there are rivers, there are wetlands, there there are swamps. You can't build on it. So um, there's a huge surprise in um, the expense of Charleston. Uh, people think that they can come into Charleston and and um, you know buy an office building fairly inexpensively. Well, ground on the peninsula, depending on where you are, is going to go between five and maybe twelve million dollars an acre. This is really expensive ground, and then that drives with the increase in construction costs that we're seeing, labor shortage in those trades in some areas. It's driving rents for new office buildings above $40 a square foot. Um, that's probably 20% higher than virtually any Midwest city, with maybe with the exception of Chicago. So the myth is is that um, you can come down here and buy land cheap and you know anybody can be successful doing development. And Leslie, let's round out real quick with a, a lightning round. Oh my goodness. I, I love it. I love it. All right. Here's a couple of quick questions just to get to know you. People you know, stories you don't. The um, most influential person in your life. Uh, certainly had to be my parents with, with several others, but there were hundreds that were on that journey. The best book you've ever read? Oh, besides the Bible, the best one I've ever read. Oh, my goodness. Um, I love the one, You Went in the Locker Room by uh, John Gordon, and um, I can't think of Mike's last name, Mike Smith. And the number one thing on your bucket list? To keep my wife happy. Oh, that's a good one. Wow. Me too, honey. Me too, honey. That's, yeah, me too, honey. That's a great one. What a great way to wind it out. Jim Garrett, Market President, Collier's Charleston. Thank you so much for your time and your story and continue to do all the great work that you're doing here in the community. I really appreciate you all. Thank you so much. And Low Country, thank you again for listening to Beyond the Business presented by the College of Charleston School of Business and Coastal Wealth Management. Don't forget, Gentlemen, tomorrow is Valentine's Day. Take care of your lovely second half there. And until next Saturday morning, Low Country, have a blessed week. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Business, brought to you by the College of Charleston School of Business. The College of Charleston School of Business, where students are beyond ready to work, they're ready to make an impact. Tune in next Saturday morning at 9 for Beyond the Business, hosted by Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood, and heard exclusively on News Radio 943 WSC. The College of Charleston School of Business is recognized among the top 30 colleges for studying business abroad by the Business Research Guide. With nine undergraduate majors, 10 minors, and six concentration areas, an honors program in business, and master's programs in business and accountancy, the College of Charleston School of Business has more than 3,000 students enrolled. Their students are ready to work, and they're ready to make an impact. For more info, visit sb.cfc.edu.